interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Monstercast. I am your host, Rob138. We have got a great flick to talk about today, but before we get into that, I wanted to make a few announcements. If you follow me on social media, you will have seen that I've got a guest coming on soon. That's right. The incredible Rebecca Kennedy will be joining me next week for a special episode where we will discuss her new film, Two Witches. Two Witches is currently streaming on the Arrow Player. And it will be released on physical media on October 18th. I actually watched this the day it hit Arrow, and I can't say enough good things about this. It absolutely rocks. I loved it. Check it out. Also, I'd like to announce that the new season of the Man-Made MonsterCast is starting on October 31st. That's right. Ooh, on Halloween. Uh, Yeah, we're going to usher in a brand new season. I wanted to take a minute to thank all of you that have shown me support this past year. Um, While I know there have been some bumps in the road with some longer-than-expected absences and certain changes in the show, I do appreciate you all hanging in there with me. Uh, I do have some big plans for the coming season. With that said, I'd like to remind everyone that the Man Made MonsterCast is a Patreon-supported podcast. By signing up on Patreon, you unlock bonus posts and can even unlock bonus episodes of Pod 138. Uh, Last month, I did John Carpenter's They Live, and this week I will be dropping an episode on Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. I've also got some other plans in the works that aren't necessarily film reviews. Uh, If you'd like to support, head on over to patreon.com slash r0b138. On the slab today, the late, great Stuart Gordon's take on the classic H.P. Lovecraft tale of Herbert West, Reanimator. I would like to note that this is a very loose adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft story. Reanimator was released on October 18th, 1985, and it had an estimated budget of $900,000, and it took in an estimated gross of $2 million, with 543000 of that being on opening weekend. The film stars H.P. Lovecraft adaptation alumni Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton, who I actually have been in love with since the first time I saw Reanimator. The film also features Bruce Abbott in the role of Dan and the late, great David Gale in the role of Dr. Hill. The idea for Reanimator came to Gordon when he and some friends were discussing films and Gordon had lamented that there are far too many Dracula films and not enough Frankenstein films. I, I would like to be inclined to agree. I do believe that there are room for both Drac and Frankenstein's monster at the table, but me being a, a bigger Frankenstein fan, yes, please, more Frankenstein films, please, please, please. Uh, A friend had asked Gordon if he had ever read the H.P. Lovecraft story Herbert West Reanimator, and though Gordon had read most of Lovecraft's works, he hadn't read that one, which is actually something I can also claim, being an H.P. Lovecraft fan. I read a good bit of his stories, but I have not actually read Herbert West Reanimator. Gordon would also cite that the 1958 Hammer Horror classic The Revenge of Frankenstein would be a major inspiration for this film. 
Gordon, having worked in theater, had initially intended to adapt the story for the stage, but eventually shifted to making a half-an-hour TV pilot. Uh, Gordon had also intended a gothic setting more in line with the original story. This all was deemed too expensive. Gordon wound up updating it to modern-day Chicago and adjusted the runtime to 13 one-hour episodes. Eventually, Gordon was introduced to producer Brian Yuzna, who had convinced him to shoot the film in Hollywood due to the effects-heavy nature of the project. Yuzna then made a distribution deal with Charles Mann's Empire Pictures. Upon viewing the initial dailies, Empire became more hands-on with the production. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the 6 to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. <laughs> but lately they're getting out of hand. <laughs> And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being administered. Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. <laughs> Dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life. And not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Still West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. It will scare you to pieces. We open at the University of Zurich Institute of Medicine in Switzerland. There's a bit of commotion and we learn that Herbert West has brought his dead professor back to life, but unfortunately the dosage of the reagent was too large and the professor suffers some delightfully gruesome side effects, which include his eyes blowing up and it exploding out of his head. What I love the most about this open is that it lets us know what we're in for immediately and pulls absolutely zero punches. I believe that this was the last thing that was filmed for the, uh, for the motion picture, and it was tacked on last minute as a way to kind of inform the audience as to what they were in for. Um, and boy, did it work. West is accused of killing the professor, and West responds with, I gave him life. We then roll the opening credits, which have two large homages to Alfred Hitchcock. One, Richard Band's opening theme here is intended to be a tribute to Bernard Herrmann's theme for Psycho, but it kind of just winds up being a complete ripoff. And B, the visual style pays tribute to Saul Bass's work on the 1958 film Vertigo. After the credits, we head to Arkham, Massachusetts. Here we learn that Herbert West has transferred to Arkham so that he can continue his medical studies. 
Dean Halsey, played by Robert Sampson, introduces West to a promising medical student named Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott, and also Dr. Hill, played by David Gale. West immediately clashes with Dr. Hill and criticizes his work, to which Dr. Hill says that he's very much looking forward to failing West. From here, we meet Dan's girlfriend and the daughter of the Dean, Megan, who is played by the incredible Barbara Crampton. According to Reanimator Resurrectus, the documentary on the limited edition Arrow release, the crew spent several weeks rehearsing their roles in Barbara Crampton's apartment, and you can really, really see that it pays off here. The chemistry that Abbott and Crampton have together feels very natural. Uh, there's a playful scene between the two that immediately cuts to them having sex at Dan's apartment. Uh, side note, by the way, Dan is also looking for a roommate. He posted a little, uh, little ad on campus. Uh, that's important because after the two have sex, Herbert West is waiting outside the door, all packed up and ready to move in. Megan is apprehensive, but West produces a wad of cash and Dan lets him move in. The following day, Dan and Herbert are in class. This scene serves to add to the West versus Hill plotline. It hilariously sees West breaking two separate pencils as a way to disrupt Hill's class. West and Hill have more words at the end of the class. That night, Megan and Dan can't seem to find Dan's cat, Rufus. Megan goes snooping in Herbert West's room, and she sees a neon green light emanating from the refrigerator. When she checks, she's horrified to find the corpse of Rufus the cat. When West arrives, the two question him, to which he claims, They knocked the garbage over and he got its head stuck in a jar. You weren't home, so I put it in there. I certainly didn't think you'd want to find it like that. I did not want to stink the place up. I was going to show you. You couldn't call or write a note. I was busy pushing bodies around, as you well know. And what would a note say, Dan? Cat dead, details later. That is very elaborate. And listen, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it's not plausible. But I digress. Also, later that night, Dan is awoken by some commotion in the basement. He finds Herbert downstairs hilariously trying to corral the recently resurrected Rufus. And try saying that ten times fast. Dan still doesn't believe that West's serum works, so West re-resurrects Rufus. Only this time, Barbara walks in. The following day, Dan tries to explain to the Dean that West is telling the truth, and that Barbara, having also witnessed the event, can corroborate the claims. Needless to say, the Dean is less than thrilled about Dan involving his daughter. He proceeds to suspend Dan and expels Herbert West. So naturally, Dan decides to sneak West into the campus morgue to further his experiments. And hold on, actually, I can't believe I haven't mentioned the morgue security guy yet. I think his name's Mason. Man, this, this guy's got a job, man. You know what I would really like to see? Going back to uh, Stuart Gordon's original idea to have this be an episodic series. Let's see a sitcom based on the day-to-day life of Mace because all this dude sees is weird shit and he's also kind of hilariously oblivious to most of it. Somebody, make it. I'd watch it. So Herbert hits a corpse with 15 cc's of the reagent and when he doesn't get the desired response, he hits it with another 20 and the corpse springs to life. While this is going on, the Dean discovers that Dan and possibly Herbert are in the morgue, and he heads after them. Uh, the then-zombie corpse bodybuilder guy begins trashing the entire morgue. West yells for him to stop and believes that he was actually listening to him for a split second. The Dean then arrives and is trying to get into the morgue, except Super Zombie busts down the door, crushing the Dean, before biting off his fingers and then chucking him into a wall. 
Roid Rage Zombo then begins strangling the Dean when all of a sudden Wes interjects with a bone saw. I actually really love how much Combs gives to this character and makes Herbert West so egotistical in everything that he does. He basically kind of dismisses Dan, um, basically to get out of his way, and views this whole ordeal as like a mild annoyance. The effect for the bone saw through the torso gag was pretty basic, um, but it's very effective. Uh, cast was made of the actor's torso, and it was attached to the actor, who was leaning down to create a bit of a gap between himself and the appliance. Um, between himself and the appliance, the actor would come up with a bone saw that was coated in ground beef and fake blood, and would push it through the appliance. Voila! Instant awesome effect. So now West believes that the issue wasn't that the reagent didn't work properly, but instead it's because the corpse was dead for too long. Now he has a fresh corpse, and he wants Dan to help him. He kind of manipulates Dan here by basically promising him that they can bring his girlfriend's dead father back to life. And they go through with it, and as expected, the Dean is not his old self. Uh, he grabs both guys by the throat, and then cowers away in the corner when Megan walks in and screams. The idea here is that those revived by the reagent are reduced to the, like, their most basic id self and basic emotions. In this case, the Dean is embarrassed to be seen like this in front of his daughter. Mason then walks in and has absolutely no fucking clue what's going on. Wes spins some lies and Mace calls the police. Dan collapses the floor, no doubt under the weight of the guilt of all the shit he's done so far. Master manipulator Herbert West is right there with a blanket, though, and he tells him not to worry before putting the recorder that they were using to log the events on in his pocket. The following day, Dr. Hill and Megan go to see Dean Halsey, who is now in a straitjacket and in a padded room. Dr. Hill asks for permission to pursue exploratory surgeries since they don't really know what happened to him. Megan reluctantly agrees but doesn't want to know the details, but then Dr. Hill kind of gets really creepy here, and he, he tells Megan, who is, by the way, a student, that she can come to him if she's ever lonely. Gross, dude. Gross. That night, Dan goes to meet Megan. Megan wants to know what they did to her father, and Dan struggles to tell her that he's not insane, that he's actually dead. We head back over to Herbert West, who has a visitor in the form of Dr. Hill. Dr. Hill lets on that he knows that Dean is dead. Hill attempts to blackmail West into giving him his formula on the reagent. West then shows him the notes and shows him a demonstration on dead cat tissue, I believe, in the microscope. And while Dr. Hill is distracted... West attacks and decapitates him with a shovel. West proceeds to place Dr. Hill's head in a tray and then reanimates the head and the body separately. But while West is talking to Dr. Hill's head and taking notes, Hill's body attacks him from behind and knocks him unconscious. The body then gathers the reagent, the notes, and its own head and heads back to Dr. Hill's office. The reanimated Dr. Hill learns that he can control other reanimated corpses telepathically after performing brain surgery. He then instructs the Dean to steal Megan away and bring her to him, which he does by interrupting a tender moment between her and Dan. Uh, the Dean brings her back to the lab, and then after stripping her completely naked, straps her to the table next to Hill's severed head. What follows is one of the most absurd things one will ever witness in a motion picture. And that covers a lot of ground in the genre of horror, by the way. Hill's body picks up its head 
and guides it as it licks all over Megan's naked body just before placing the severed, reanimated head between her legs in an attempt for the head to give head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is until Herbert West bursts in. West distracts Hill while Dan frees Megan. Dr. Hill, however, reveals that he has lobotomized all the corpses in the morgue, which allows him to control them all telepathically. A giant reanimated smackdown ensues between Hill's minions and the Dean, who once again recognizes his daughter and is attempting to fight off the other corpses. Unfortunately, the Dean is overcome and then torn to shreds. While all of this is happening, West injects Hill with a lethal overdose of the reagent, which causes him to rapidly change to some kind of tentacled monstrosity which ensnares West. And hey, look, it's not going to be a Lovecraft adaptation without tentacles, right? West screams to Dan to save his work before being dragged down into the smoke. Dan is able to retrieve West's satchel, which contained his data and the reagent, and he and Megan flee the morgue. One of the corpses, however, attacks Megan as they attempt to escape, and unfortunately kills her before Dan is able to dispose of it. Dan then takes her to the emergency room, but they're unable to revive her. Overcome with grief, Dan injects her with a reagent, and we cut to black. Just before the credits roll, we hear Megan screaming, implying that now she has been reanimated. The Good This is Stuart Gordon at his finest, man. This film boasts an incredibly tight script with an exemplary cast. Uh, this would not be the last time that Gordon Combs and Crampton would collaborate on an H.P. Lovecraft-inspired project, as the three would come back and work on Castle Freak, and my personal favorite of the three, From Beyond. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is magnetic in the role of Herbert West in this film, and though I don't believe it was his intention, he basically steals just about every scene that he's in. Uh, Barbara Crampton proves exactly why she's my favorite screen queen. Her portrayal of Megan is strong and relatable. Bruce Abbott is great as Dan, he's very likable, and you kind of feel awful for him when he allows himself to be manipulated by West. He also brings a bit of a boyish charm and innocence to the role. Moving on to the late, great David Gale, he is absolutely phenomenal as Dr. Hillness. He basically plays two entirely different roles and excels at both. He and Combs had fantastic chemistry together. I also have to give props to the special effects crew. When you consider the fact that the effects work was done by John Carl Beekler, it's of no surprise that everything looks as great as it does. The bad. If I'm being honest, there's not a whole lot. The one thing that stands out to me and just about everyone else who's ever talked about this film or reviewed it in any way is the main theme being a total ripoff of the Psycho theme. And that just kind of drags it down for me. Uh, it is what it is, but someone should have said something while the film was in production. 7.5 out of 10 for me. So that was Reanimator, everyone. I just got to say that while it's pretty great that horror has been steadily making a comeback with filmmakers like Ty West and Jordan Peele, Robert Eggers, and the whole crew at Blumhouse, etc., I still think that we could stand to see another filmmaker like Stuart Gordon. Unfortunately, I don't know if we ever will. Gordon had such a unique way of approaching his projects and it was abundantly clear to the viewer the amount of care that he put into each and every one of his films. There was just something about him. You knew when you were watching a film by Stuart Gordon. He's a fantastic filmmaker with an incredible artistic vision, and you are sorely, sorely missed, Mr. Gordon. Well, that will wrap up another episode of the Man-Made Monster Cast. Before I sign off, I'd like to remind everyone to hit the socials and leave a five-star review. 
Follow me at R0B underscore 138 on Twitter, at R0B 138 on Instagram, at MM Monstercast on Twitter, at Manmade Monstercast on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. I have been Rob138, and I will catch on the flip side. No, I did not. I gave him life.